Hello, we're Project 6 and we're a charity working with people in South and West Yorkshire. We deliver a range of services to support people with alcohol and other drug use to help individuals, families and communities to make meaningful and sustainable change in their well-being. And you're listening to our podcast. So the purpose of this, we wanted to share some ideas and different viewpoints on how we can improve drug and alcohol support, work that's already taking place and what the future could look like, and especially how we can challenge and even dismantle the stigma and discrimination associated with problematic alcohol and drug use. Why? Because that's what the people who come to our service say is what matters to them. This is a podcast of bite-sized recordings and conversations we've been having with people working in and around our sector. In this episode, Vicky Beer, Project 6 CEO, is speaking to Professor Julia Buxton about the specific impact UK drug policy is having on women. My name is Vicky and I am the Chief Exec of Project 6. Uh, my name is Julia Buxton and I am a British Academy Global Professor at the University of Manchester in the Department of Criminology. Um, and a lot of my work currently is uh, on changes in illicit drug markets, uh, what's happening to the drug trade since Brexit, but also trying to understand what are the conditions and the contexts that make it easier for people who are users of drugs and traditionally marginalised and excluded from drug policy processes, how can we better make them stakeholders in the design and the monitoring and the delivery of drug policy? So I got really passionate about drug policy, um, went to work in the Central European University in Budapest, and we ran a series of projects which was basically working with advocates and practitioners from Central Asia, Eastern Europe, Central Europe, and looking at marginalisation of very, very stigmatised groups in these uh, communities and societies, in particular the Roma community uh, in Central Europe, but also women. This issue around women and the stigma that women experienced um, as users of drugs or as people who were trying to gain access to treatment and services constantly came up in a lot of these uh, workshops that we did in Budapest, which were international. So it was interesting because you'd have people from you know, Nigeria, Kazakhstan, Thailand, the UK, all talking about the same problems, which, you know, you can, ex- you, know, you can understand that's going to happen anyway, because drug policy and drug criminalization is global. But what was interesting about these workshops is that they highlighted that women around the world had exactly the same problems in relation to drug policy, it's not only being profoundly harmful in its own right, but the particularly negative impacts that it had on women. As a result of that, we did the book, which is called Shifting the Needle, um, which really tried to detail a lot of these negative experiences that women have. So how would you summarise the challenges challenges facing women in accessing treatment for substance use in the UK in particular? Okay, well, I think what we need to kind of start with is that illicit drug markets are changing. They've been changing very, very quickly over the last 10, 20 years. Substances are cheaper, substances are more widely available, there's a greater diversity of substances than we've really ever had since the 1961 single convention first set out ambitions of the world to to rid the world of drugs. So we're at this kind of high point of drug markets. And what we've seen in particular is that women are now involved in the illicit drug trade as users of drugs, 
but also dealers of drugs and in some cases, obviously, traffickers of drugs. Now, the kinds of problems that we've identified, and um, we can talk very specifically about the experience here in the UK, Vicky, but to emphasise this is an international problem. We actually need you know, global solidarity of women around these issues, not just in the UK, but, but internationally. The kinds of problems that we saw was that women were increasingly using drugs. Okay, now some of these women were using drugs recreationally. Some of these women were using drugs for self-medication. Um, these people are typically seen as being low risk, but actually some of these activities are quite high risk and we do need to be thinking about harm reduction interventions for people who are using drugs modestly and that term recreationally. The other thing we've seen is that we have an increasing number of women who are using drugs problematically. Now, this overall is a smaller cohort of this total number of women who are using drugs, using illicit drugs. But this problematic drug use amongst women is something that's become far more noticeable um, on the front line of service delivery, but also in the kind of academic and policy accounts of what's happening in illicit drug markets. So what are the challenges that women are facing? Well, first of all, we just have this absolute inadequacy of treatment services in the UK. And this was uh, highlighted by Dame Carol Black in, in the two reports that the government commissioned her to, uh, to research in 2019. There's a fabulous quote from her, basically talking about how treatment services in the UK are on their knees. You know, this, this massive and devastating cut across treatment provision, the lack of accountability and commissioning, um, the poor coordination between different, uh, different service providers and local authorities. So what we're finding is that when women do try and access these services, they just don't exist anyway, or they are of very low and poor quality. Women are not stakeholders in defining the type of treatment services that are needed. They were very, very reluctant to access services, in particular if they had children or if they had other types of dependents or parental and caring responsibilities. And this was overwhelmingly due to the, the stigma of women trying to access treatment services. So the key issue here is if you're a mother um, and you are using drugs and you want to try and get some support or some assistance um, with problematic or dependent use, then the risks of you having your child taken away from you or some form of social service or welfare intervention into your home meant that women simply deferred accessing these services. They didn't like speaking to their doctors. They didn't want this information on their medical records. Uh, this was usually taboo within their families. They experienced a huge amount of discrimination and sexism when they were trying to access treatment services or clinical services. And there has been a real lack of good, competent training, um, you know, kind of minimum standards rollout, professional certification um, of people who are working in the area of drug treatment service provision. Um, so collectively, taken all together, we find a situation where most of the services are designed for men. The facilities are designed for men. Women can't access the facilities. They can't afford to get there. They haven't got childcare. Um, in some cases, treatment providers were very reluctant to take women because they weren't convinced women would complete the, the course of uh, provision that was being uh, commissioned, including because of childcare responsibilities or male partners not allowing them to attend. So on so many levels, Vicky, I mean, you know, once we also then start talking about issues around policing and the criminal justice system, what we're seeing is a pattern here of all drug users being criminalized and stigmatized, 
but the stigmatization in particular impacting women in very different ways from that in which it impacts men. Something we've experienced at, at Project 6 is that stigma literally does kill people. It stops people, it makes people feel ashamed, it stops them coming and asking for help, it stops family members coming and asking for support and it is a massive issue and it feels like it's growing as well because quite often the people that we work with and support are used as political footballs especially in terms of populism um, all the things that you talked about criminalization and punishment as well so I wonder if you could talk to us a bit about some of the stigma particularly women experience and how we might overcome some of that well I think the, the particular stigma is obviously the one around um, the identity of, of most women as carers or pregnant women. Um, there is huge amounts of stigma attached to pregnancy. Um, in some country contexts, I mean, if you look at somewhere like the US historically, there's been legislation introduced which basically, you know, ensures fetal rights over those of the woman. So, you know, drug using women can be prosecuted if they are pregnant and using drugs. So it's this notion that women don't have the kind of autonomy or agency or individualism in order to oversee what happens with their bodies. Um, so I think this kind of stigma comes inherently from being a woman. It's, it's gender related, it's sex related. And we understand that this is also, you know, that drug criminalization and stigma is a problem for men. But what we have to understand is the different forms that this takes for women. And overwhelmingly, this is it's relational to men. So women are stigmatized because they're not performing the roles of these kind of idealized mothers or idealized wives or idealized daughters. And so the challenge for women is because they're failing in these identities that are usually socially or culturally ascribed, which patriarchy, you know, male dominated societies and medical professions and judiciary and police forces have created for them. This is where the stigma comes from women, because they're not fulfilling these roles in society which are socially created, socially ascribed. So the stigmatization um, in particular around being a woman and using drugs, because that's kind of indicative of being feckless, of being loose, of being this kind of bad woman, a woman who's deliberately making herself vulnerable. Um, or alternatively, it's kind of along the same line, really, isn't it? It's this stigmatization, the stigma around a woman failing to properly care for her children or perform the roles um, that society has given to her. So, so that stigma there, I think, really around pregnancy and treatment, around women who are drug users, you know, in school venues, supporting their children, those kinds of activities. I think that's very, very problematic. I think there's a lot of stigma in particular communities of women. Um, we know very, very little about issues of, of drug use and and drug dependence or problematic use in a whole number of communities. Uh, we have better insights uh, today around the LGBTQI community, obviously, um, but I think we have very, very little good detailed understanding of what's been going on um, in local Asian communities, um, among a lot of migrant women. Um, we just simply haven't got the data that we need. And I think stigma is another really significant aspect um, of life in those communities as well, and an obstacle to people accessing treatment services. So if we were to have a magic wand and be able to reconceptualise drug and alcohol treatment to be sitting within health and education and where we had women at the centre of it in terms of stakeholders and co-design and co-production, 
what would what could a drug and alcohol treatment system look like? I think what we need to be focusing on first of all is a drug and alcohol treatment system which isn't just focused on the needs of women but also which isn't singularly led by the notion of um, of abstaining um, from drug use and alcohol. This, you know, the whole language that we have around treatment services where the individual becomes clean, you know, this notion of clean, what does this really mean? You know, this idea of getting order back into your life. So, you know, we need to think about what the end goals of treatment services have to be. And I think, unfortunately, in the UK, but also in many countries internationally, we're locked into this idea that treatment services have to have outcomes of completely ending drug use. And this is really problematic. So we need to rethink about the way we deal with treatment in the first place. We absolutely have to get rid of this kind of framework of criminalization because it perpetuates the stigma. You know, you can't have these like tinkering at the edges decriminalization policies if you're not dealing with the fundamental issue of stigma in particularly around injecting drug use and around these kind of harder drugs as they're known, the, the kind of opiates, the heroin, um, those kinds of issue areas. We would be focusing instead on treatments and services which have outcomes which are based around the needs of the individual, the health rights of the individual, and in particular for women, sexual and reproductive health rights. So what we would have in this imaginary utopian world, Vicky, would be policies which are led by gender-sensitive approaches and which are rights-based, in which what we're trying to do in our services is maximise uh, the, the exercise of these, these human rights and health rights by the individual. So ensuring that the treatment services, as we said, are appropriate, um, that in the first place, step one, that we have the data on what's happening with women. This is the big problem. Women are just totally, totally ignored and marginal. They're not even in the basics of government data collection. And even though the Carol Black reports were really important in, I think, setting the agenda for drug policy in the UK, they didn't mention women, which was just extraordinary. So even at the highest level, we've not got that level of gender sensitivity. So we need gender sensitive training. We need the data. We need the targets. We need gender sensitive monitoring. We need specific understanding of the treatment needs of women, which we know are different from men. And we need to be able to have the resources that enables us to address the inadequacies of housing, of education, of security that leads women into these lives where they have become essentially locked into this problematic forms of use. So reducing the stigma, re-understanding and reshaping the services, and it's the resources that really matter. Thank you to Julia for joining us. The book mentioned in the conversation, The Impact of Global Drug Policy on Women Shifting the Needle. I've added a link in the description and it's completely free to download. I'm going to release part two to go alongside this episode, which goes a bit deeper, where Julia and Vicky are looking at some of the ideas and solutions to the issues that came up in part one. So make sure you go and listen to that next if you've been intrigued by anything you've heard. And just finally, if you didn't already know, we, Project 6, are holding a conference this year. We're calling it the Ideas Conference, the Drug and Alcohol Ecosystem, Choice, Balance and Opportunity. It's going to be at Cass Theatre in Doncaster on the 22nd of June, 2023. And it's going to be a day of some fascinating and challenging conversations, workshops exploring opportunities for our sector, and a place to meet 
people from across the UK who are already working in new ways to improve the lives of individuals and communities. Tickets are now on sale and you just need to head to project6.org.uk slash conference. Hope to see you there. So that's it. Until next time.